So yes, it, it has really been a great joy to be part of this church for 17 years or 16 years. Thank you, Beth. Um, and we've been attending um, many of the congregations and also this 6.30 since it was first conceived several years ago. I'm not even going to guess how many years that was. Um, and it's great to be here tonight with people that I have worshipped with for so long and, um, and those I haven't. So it's wonderful to have visitors here too, uh, friends, family. It's just wonderful. So thank you. Um, and I'm going to start tonight with a little experiment. So I need four volunteers. Um, anybody fancy being a volunteer? Come up and do a little task. Quick, hands up. Yes, great. Can we have the chairs up? So one, two, no, Jamie's not doing it. Jamie's chair moving. Brilliant. An older person. I'm not going to name somebody now because that would obviously name them as an older person. Somebody who's a young... Andrew? Both Andrews? No. <laughs> we need two more, so you're all right. Okay, so what I'd like you to do is I'm going to give you a task to do, and it's going to be very quick. It's going to take you about 20 seconds. That's the maximum you've got. Okay, and it's, um, I want you to sit down first, make yourself comfortable. Um, and I've got little pots here, and if you just hold them, oh, can you open that one? And can you open that one? Inside these pots, don't start putting bits together. Can you hear the jing jingle of them a bit? See what, can you hear what they are? Lego. Lego. It's Lego, of course it is. So what I'd like you to do with these Lego bricks in 20 seconds, and we will be timing you. Stop it, Andrew. <laughs> Little brothers, never work with them. I'd like you, in 20 seconds, to start building a duck. Go! You're nearly halfway through. 10 seconds left. Don't, don't copy other people. Five seconds, four, three, two, one, stop! <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely. Very good ducks. Well done. Did you know it was an all-age service? <laughs> Very good. So can you put your ducks on the seat and uh, return to your pews? Round of applause, I think. So you can come up and study the ducks later. Give them points, you know, praise the person who created these ducks. That would be really good. And if you uh, made the ducks, you can come up and you can have those bits of Lego as a souvenir. Ooh, brilliant. Um, so why do we do that? Apart from being, hopefully, a lot of fun. Well, that exercise I'm going to use to illustrate two points in my talk today. Uh, one towards the end, so look out for it, and one right now. So first of all, the right now one. How many people are Lego fans? Who likes Lego? I can't believe people aren't putting their hands up. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, 
Well, whether you're a fan or not, I'm sure that as soon as you heard the jingles and you, or if you had been close enough to see it, you would have noticed and recognized the such familiar shape of Lego, the Legoness of Lego. You can identify immediately a Lego toy from a non-Lego toy. But what if you were describing Lego to somebody who'd neither, never seen or heard about Lego? I know that's hard to believe with you all putting your hands up. But anyway, how would you describe Lego without showing them Lego or without letting them touch Lego? How would you describe it? Well, of course, being good internet people, we would Google the word Lego, and we might come up with a pithy description like this. Lego is a construction toy consisting of interconnecting plastic building blocks. Yes, that's what it is. But if you're a big Lego fan of, and have played it for years or had children or grandchildren who have loved it, then this definition removes so much of the life out of Lego. A construction toy consisting of interconnecting plastic building blocks. Doesn't even sound exciting, does it, from that? But as we all know, Richard was confessing earlier also, as we all know, we'd still love to play with Lego even now. Um, you might also recommend that the person who doesn't know about Lego, you know, maybe the best thing they do is actually to understand Lego by experiencing Lego uh, for themselves. So in our passage today, we have a similar situation that I want you to bear that Lego model in the mind. Um, so in a moment, I'm going to ask Claire to come and read our Bible passage for this evening. And in that passage, she's going to read three words. She's going to read the word, God is love. These words come from the letter that John wrote to a church in the northern part of Israel about 80 years after Jesus was born. And John wants just to say, he doesn't want to just say God is love, but then he gives us in this passage that we're going to see in a minute examples of exactly what this means. And in fact, it's not just in this passage, but actually in the whole of John's letter, the whole letter is about love and God's love to us. In fact, let's go the whole hog. Actually, the whole Bible is about love. The whole Bible is a love letter from God to his people Israel and then his people in the whole world with the coming of Jesus. So who is this John who wrote this letter that we find in our Bibles? Well, John was one of Jesus' closest friends. It was his disciple, a man who got to be with Jesus for three whole years, listening to him, learning from him, witnessing all he did, and pondering so carefully on all he saw and heard. So he was with Jesus for the whole of the three years of his public ministry, where he taught and healed. But then, too, John was there at Jesus' death and his resurrection. Also, he was there on that day of Pentecost, when so many people became believers on one single day. The phenomenal growth of the church in numbers and spread as it moved west and east. He saw the early church being formed as it struggled to agree on the meaning of what Jesus said about himself and how this young church should fit into Jewish, Greek, and Roman culture. And also seen the growth in resistance 
and even persecution of Christians that he loved so much. He would have also had his own struggles and seen fellow believers struggle with what it means to be a Christian in life and follow Jesus. So we are so fortunate to have this experienced, wise, loving man have that letter that he wrote to this church so long ago. So if you are visiting us today, and as Richard said, I can't think why that might be, um, then we've been going through this letter for about the last 10 weeks, bit by bit, learning from this lovely wise man, John. And today we get to chapter 4 of that letter. So can I ask Claire to come and read our passage for us? Love for each other, love for your partner, love for your mum, your dad, or your children, or your friends. That's not the word love that John is talking about here. We're um, a little bit impoverished in English because we only have actually one word for love. In Greek, which is what John wrote in, there are six different words for love. And um, the word that John uses here is agape. This is the highest form of love. There are six other, five other words uh, for love in Greek. The lo agape is the love between God and human, and between human and God. And also that selfless, God-given love that we can sometimes have between ourselves and those that are really tough to love. I just want a bit of a side here. There's also a wonderful principle in Christianity called common grace. And common grace, uh, which is basically the way that God blesses people before he even knows them. Those of you that are believers here know that God blessed you before you knew him with children, with success, with happiness, with health. He blesses people who don't even know him. He blesses people with physical things, skills, but also with deep, loving, meaningful relationships. He blesses people who maybe will never believe he even exists. This is how much he loves all of us. Whether we like it or not, he loves you so much. John then moves on and explains exactly how much God loves us. The scale to which he loves us. Showing us what love really is. Look at verse 9 and 10. How has God shown us how much love he has? It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us 
and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, paying for our sins. Jesus Christ willingly, because of his love for you and me, allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, paying the price for every one of the times we have just rejected him or his father, the times we've turned away in our own selfish desires. But God enables this rescue plan, enabling things to be put right between God and ourselves, to be accepted by him for just the people we are, with all our hang-ups, our anxieties, our worries, our weaknesses. I know countless people here will testify to the difference knowing this has made to your lives. The difference that depending on God makes in your lives every day. Knowing God brings such joy, doesn't it? And purpose throughout life, even through the very toughest of times. A few days ago, on Thursday this week, I had an amazing privilege to meet an old work friend of mine who I hadn't seen for many years. He and I started a work-based prayer group um, together some eight years ago. And he now has uh, an inoperable tumor and he's going through arduous treatment, impacting him greatly. We sat and we talked for about an hour. Whilst explaining to me what had happened to him, there was one line that he kept repeating over and over, and he made no apology for it. And this line was, God is good. God is good through the thickest, through the toughest times. That is the difference that knowing Jesus makes. Through even the toughest time, my friend knows that God is good. So my third point. So through John's love for us, us, his dear friends, there's more he wants to tell us. John states, not just once, which I put in the notes actually, but three times in verse 7, 11, and 12, that this amazing God's love that he lavishes on us, agape, selfless love, should not remain just bottled up in us. Actually, he pours his love in so much into us that it should flow out of us. It should, and, it sh and in fact, it must flow out of us to other people. Now I know that as a church over the centuries, and certainly today, sometimes this doesn't always show. And when people look from the outside of the church, we maybe don't seem that loving sometimes. But I'd like us tonight to focus on ourselves, not looking at how others don't love others, other people, but in fact, Often I think that's where the problem happens, is if we're looking at other people and how they're not loving, rather than looking in our own hearts and thinking about where we don't love as we should, aren't as forgiving as we should, aren't as tolerant as we should be. So who do you find it difficult to love? Maybe even difficult to tolerate, let alone love. And this love should start in the church, and the church isn't this building. The church is you, all of us here. We are the church, the body of Christ. And so as a Christians, we have a responsibility and a duty 
and also the great joy of loving others. But also, it should be completely natural. How can we let this love bottle up inside us? Let's just spill it out as God pours his love into us to the point of overflowing. Let's grace each other, asking God to give us the vision to see each other through his eyes, not through our own eyes, to love others with God's love, giving us agape for each other. Then the ever-practical John, the writer of these verses, then talks about the extreme power of this love. Look at me at verse 18, where we're going to look at fear and love and the relationship between the two. It says in verse 18, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made is not made perfect in love. If we know we are loved by God and that we are saved by his son dying for us, then all our worth is in him. Whatever we do Monday to Saturday, whatever job we are in, or school, or for the people who are still at home or we're with other people during the week, where do we place our value who do we seek affirmation from? Who do we look to to pat us on the back and say that we're doing a great job? Well, two years ago, in another company, um, I was doing a, a challenging uh, walk in Snowdonia with my brother Andrew, um, who worked for the same company as me at the time. And I was with a whole load of fitter people, like Andrew, who's seven years younger than me, but a whole load of other men and women who were far fitter and as I said, far younger than I was. And I was trying to keep up. I was thinking I was the same age, if not younger. Um, and then I got this image of God smiling on me and just saying, you've got nothing to prove to me. He was just looking at me and going, why are you doing this? Why are you trying to be someone you're not? Why do we do this? Why don't we look for affirmation from the God of the universe, the God who loves us more than anyone or anything ever will. Where have I got to? <laughs> um, how often do we get all het up with what our bosses or our teachers think of us? Worse than this, I think, is when an organization actually uses this fear that a lot of us have, and I know I do, to look for affirmation in other people. They often use this fear to supposedly increase productivity, to keep you worried maybe about the security of your job or what your boss thinks about you. And I think that's horrible when organizations use fear to do that. So if you're a manager or you have responsibility for people, can I ask that you're really careful about not using this so short-sighted methodology? I said there would be another illustration from Lego, and here it comes. So last week in Berlin, um, I heard the executive chairman of Lego, which was a phenomenal privilege. And I'm going to try and say his name. He's Danish. It's Jürgen Vig Nudstrop. Well, thank you very much. But a Greek and Danish in the same um, sermon. Heard him speak and talking of how good, how good leadership starts with good leaders looking at themselves, not looking at the people that they're leading. 
We are at all points, some points, in position of leadership. Maybe in an organization or in the family you're in, or it may be in your social group with friends. So next time you're in the role of a leader, ask yourself if you're building people up, allowing people to flourish in a safe, respected environment. One more of love than fear. Or are you allowing people to fear, oh, sorry, or are you allowing fear to preside, even if not consciously encouraging it? So back to the Lego. I've got to admit, this little exercise I stole from Jürgen. Um, he, in his conference, had uh, little packs of Lego in the front of all the chairs. Don't look in your chairs, don't worry, you haven't all got Lego. Sorry. And so there were a thousand people in there, in this conference hall, all listening to high-polluting presentations. Businessmen and women in their smart suits. And what he did is he did exactly that. He challenged them to build a Lego duck in 20 seconds. There was so much excitement. You've never seen adults <laughs> plunge to the age of children so quickly. It was wonderful. Comparing their ducks, thinking about the little red tiles, whether they should be wings or beaks arguing with each other, coveting each other's ducks. It was just awesome. So like each of these four ducks, these ducks here, each one is different. And believe you me, the thousand in Berlin were very different. We are all uniquely different, with different passions and skills. And this is completely by God's design. We are each different, with different strengths and weaknesses. Therefore, and this is, this is God's beautiful idea, we all need each other. We cannot do this life alone. So finally, and this is my last point, I want to return to my first point. God is love. And that is really the start and finish of all of this. He is love. He adores you. And he longs for you to know him. If you'd like to know more about this God, then do talk to a Christian here. Maybe one in a collar, or maybe just somebody you like the look of in your, in your pew. Or if you're visiting, go along to your local church and just have a chat with them and just find out a little bit more of the God of love. Thank you. And may God bless you, and thank you so much. Amen.